podcast of Odessa First Assembly. We're so glad that you're listening in today. If you'd like more information about our church, you can find us at odessafirst.com or on any social media platform. I pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message. Let's jump into our series, Anchor. So here we are anchored, our new series, Anchored by Hope this morning. So Hebrews chapter 6, we're going to begin. We're, at first, I was just really going to focus on that one verse, but I kind of want to read the text and uh, the, the, the passage, really. So Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 13 is we're going to start. We're going to read all the way through verse 20. But it says this, For example, there was God's promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater to swear by God, took an oath in his own name, saying, I will certainly bless you and multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently, and he received what God had promised. Now, when the people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. Verse 17, God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. Verse 18, so God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge. Everybody say refuge. Those of us who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain of God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of of Melchizedek. Now, anchors, you know, anchors are really just a, uh, an amazing invention. I don't know how long anchors have been around, but used by fishermen and sailors for, you know, thousands of years, I'm sure. It's really just a basic concept of, a, of something made of metal and used to secure a vessel, you know, in its harbor or cove or, you know, just wherever it wants to stay put. And um, so I have, I have an anchor here. And, uh, you know, uh, recently, I almost just went. Well, here we go. And uh, recently on vacation, we were fishing, me and my dad, and uh, my dad's boat, and we anchored in a cove, and the wind was pretty strong, and uh, trying to fish. And, you know, we, we threw that anchor out there, and, um, you know, if, if an anchor doesn't grab something, it can still be pushed along. And so that's exactly what happened. I get the bottom, whether it was clay or mud, but, I mean, we didn't grab a hold of a rock or a, a tree, a stump or nothing. And, you know, with, it maybe slowed us down a little bit, but we were still drifting on. It's, it's not enough just to have an anchor, but your anchor has to grab a hold of something. I said, your anchor has to grab a hold of something. I want to throw this out there so bad, but I don't want to bust the concrete. And uh, that's my dad's Father's Day gift for next year, by the way. So, um, it, you know, but I was I was thinking about just even being, you know, drifting along. I, you know, there's so many people that, you know, they feel like they have an anchor, but yet it seems like they're still being pushed by circumstance and pushed by trials and tr- you know pushed by those difficult things in life. But our 
our text that leads off, you know, it starts with this promise. And it kind of, to really understand this, we really have to understand a little bit about Abraham. And in, in Hebrews 6.14, it, it tells us that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number. I mean, that's kind of what is happening here is the Lord, he's, he's recounting what he did for Abraham, a promise that he gave Abraham that became a covenant, and him telling Abraham, I will bless you, I will multiply your descendants beyond number. And so just a little bit about Abraham. We read in Genesis chapter 11, we find out some of Abraham's um, uh, family tree. And we see that Abraham comes from um, Terah, and uh, he's actually from the line of, of Seth. But uh, Genesis eleven twenty six. after Terah was 70 years old, he began a father of Abram, which is Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. And we'll talk just a little bit about Abraham's name change from Abram to Abraham. And, and, the, and we see the Lord do that in many cases. But at this point in Genesis chapter 11, it's important to remember that Abraham is 75 years old when he's introduced to us in Genesis chapter 11. He's 75 years old. He's from the genealogy of, of Shem, who was, one of Noah's, was Noah's firstborn son. And at this point, he had lived his entire life as Abram. I mean, change is hard for any of us. I, you know, there, there's a few people that are wired funky that, you know, just love change and can handle change. But for the most of us, we like a little bit of status quo, Right? I mean, I'm kind of wired that way. I, you know, you upset my apple cart, you know, it, it, it upsets me. <laughs> so we like kind of that. Can you imagine being 75 years old and hear God speaks to Noah something, which we find in Genesis chapter 12. And he said, the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country. And the thing was that even in this moment in Genesis 12, God didn't tell Abram where he was going. He said, I'm going to, he said, I'm going to take you to a place that I show you. And so right away, we know that Abram, at 75 years old, is just kind of one step in front of another, following the Lord's direction for his life. But he even tells him in, in Genesis 12, 2, I will make you into a great nation. I'll bless you and make you famous, a blessing to others. And so we see this promise begin to unfold for Abram's life. The problem is, Sarah is just as old as Abraham, right? I mean, we... We can do the math, right? Okay. So, but here's the thing. Is number one is this, is that God slowly revealed details to Abraham. Now, and I want to qualify it this way. When God speaks to us or we see this happening in Abraham's life, to us, to humanity, it is, it's slow. But it's not slow to God because God's perspective is eternal. I said, God's perspective is eternal. Our perspective is we can't see the forest for the trees. Right? Does anybody know that saying? We can't see the forest for the trees, but we are following the one that planted every tree. So at some point, even though he may be saying, I know where you are right now. I know you may. I mean, sometimes we even get comfortable in our junk because we, at least we know it. The thought of the unknown is far more uncomfortable than staying in the pain that we are in sometimes. Come on, somebody. 
And the Lord is trying to lead us out of that. He's like, I have something better for you. I need you to trust me. And so we see that Abraham, I mean, he's leaving his country. He has these promise of children and, and, and bukus of children, but he's, he's kind of up there in age, a little long on the tooth. And not only that, but then when it finally happens and he has Isaac, what does God ask of Abraham? To sacrifice his son. And so there again, he's moving into an unknown. I mean, and when Isaac at this point is not some five-year-old or a 15-year-old, he's in his 30s. And he keeps asking dad, dad, uh, where's the sacrifice? The Lord will provide, son. Dad, I, I may have been born yesterday, but it wasn't last night. I mean, Isaac had to have some kind of clue what was going on. But step after step after step after step that Abraham took to what may seem to us blindly, but God had the perspective. God had the perspective. And in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, I love this promise. And I know, you know, and this verse really has a whole lot more to do. I understand the focus is salvation. But 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise. I said the Lord is never being slow about his promise. God is always on time. As some people think, no, he is being patient for your sake. He's being patient for you. He's moving slow because whether you realize it or not, sometimes you've got to move slow. And he said, I know i got to wait on him, but you're worth it. But you're worth it. God's promise for you will always be on time. God's promise for you will always be on time. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't stop praying. Don't stop believing. Don't stop taking that next step that you can't see where that step is. Get your eyes off the tree in front of you and realize that God is leading you. He's guiding you. He's got the perspective that you need. We just simply have to trust in him. The reason why we are so um, wired to keep our eyes on the storm is because it, we're, we, we, we get in this habit of thinking it's all about us. God has a bigger plan for you. It's a whole lot easier to get your eyes off the storm when you're used to practicing your eyes on him. That was for free. Don't think he's forgotten you. Don't listen to the enemy. Keep your eyes on him. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I mean, think about it. He's 75 years old. He gets this word. And you can go through when David was anointed king, when Joseph first had the dream. You can go through man of God, woman of God, and see that sometimes it takes a little bit of time for God to unfold his plan because he's patient with me. 13 years after God gave the promise, 13 years after God gave him this promise in Genesis 12 is when God changed Abraham's name. And actually, Abraham means um, a, a father of many nations. I mean, that would be a really cool point to, 
Father Abraham had many Anyway. In Genesis chapter 16, in verse 3, it tells us, So Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abraham had been settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram has sexual, sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her um, mistress, Sarah, with contempt. Why am I drawing that verse out? Because we read in our text in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 15, then Abraham waited patiently and he received what God had promised. Is scripture, is, 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 are we schizophrenic right now? <laughs> okay, um, Lord... And think about this. It was 25 years from the time that God made his promise that Isaac was born. So, you know, now we know, you know, Abraham's even, you know, 100 years old. And here's this. I'm trying to process this. Because our trials and temptation are so often so intense. You know, sometimes they seem to last for an eternity. And, but the Bible and the testimony of mature Christians, I mean, we, we, begin, we, we understand that, yeah, God has us timing. And I, I know sometimes we get impatient and, and the answer doesn't come and we're waiting. But I'm going to tell you that God's promises always come true. His word never returns void. And so how do I, how do you, how, how Okay, so Hagar, and, but, but, but Abraham was patient. Number two is this. We define ourselves by our mistakes, but God defines us by his promise. Amen. Amen. We could have altar call right now, couldn't we? I said, we define ourselves by where we fall short. But the way that God sees you is... Through the blood of a son. That's how God sees you. Stop looking for the evidence. This is a this is a song that's out right now, and I couldn't tell you which song. I was just I, I heard it this weekend, just and I, I got to put that in there. But it, it said, um, "Stop looking for the evidence and live in the promise." So we need to keep our eyes off the off off the storm off the the trial and keep our eyes on him god's going to define you see what happens is we mess up we fall short we get things in a hurry and then we feel all kinds of condemnation and then we start going a different direction than god has intended for us but if you'll keep your eyes on him and allow the promise to be at work in you you'll see it come to fruition i mean the the, the scripture tells us a man may fall six times. He may fail six times. He may fall short six times. But what does a righteous man do? A righteous man gets up seven. So you get back up. I'm, listen, we're all going to fall short. We're all going to mess up some. We're all, we are. And sometimes it's going to be royally. But listen to me. Get your eyes back on the promise and realize that God is not judging you by your mistake, but, but his destiny intent for you. Come on, somebody. Second Peter 1. 
2 Peter 1, I love, one of my favorite passages, it really is. And we're going to go through it just really quickly, but 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, by his divine power, by whose, by whose power? By his divine power, he has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Quit thinking you don't have it in you to live for God. He's given you everything you need for a godly life. We have received, E.D., past tense, all of this by coming to know him. So how do you tap in to this power and get everything that God has for you? You get saved. There is no other um, a step in the process in which to receive everything God has for you. The one who calls us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Verse 4. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Oh, that's rich. Verse 5. In the view of all of this... Make every effort to respond to God's promise. So what do we, God's given us all, he's given, he said, here's my power, here's my precious promises, and so it's now it's time for you to respond. How do you do that? You walk out, you live out what God has promised you. And you have all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises, supplement your faith. See, we, we have a part in this with generous provision of moral excellence, Moral excellence, knowledge, knowledge, self-control, self-control, patient endurance, patient endurance, godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love for everyone. If you want to know if you're maturing in Christ, that's the road. That's the highway right there. That's the pathway. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I should have just preached on this verse. But those who fail to develop this way are short-sighted, blind, forgetting what they've been cleansed from their old sins. So think about this. God has given us everything we need for a godly life. Everything you need to live for the Lord, God's given you. And I, I, I you know, you may need to take this with a grain of salt, but listen to me. You don't need, you don't need another book. You don't, you don't need another small group study. You don't, you don't need another word from somebody. What you need to get tapped into is God. You need to allow the Holy Spirit to do his work in your life. Because I can have all of this outward influence and in trying to gain all of this stuff when really what I, where I've got to start, my, my starting line, my starting point is, okay, Lord, I just completely empty myself of everything, and I, I need what you have for me. Yes. And you know, Peter is saying right here in, that he, that to, to be fully equipped to live a life pleasing to God, it, God gives us everything you need to overcome every temptation. He gives you everything you need to overcome every obstacle. He gives you everything you need to overcome every trial, every tribulation, every difficulty, every hard night. He gives you everything that you need. He has given us promises through his word. 
Read your Bible. He has given us prom. There is power in his promises. There's power in his word. There's so many times that we get locked up in these washing machine cycles and we're looking everywhere sporadically of, of this answer that we need. But I'm going to tell you, there is a book that has 66 books in it. And what you need is in that. You don't need another prophetic word. You don't need another. Now, those are awesome and wonderful. And God encourages us when those happen. But what we need is his word. Man's opinion returns void. God's word does not. It's our solid foundation. You can read them, you can know them, you can memorize them, but until you assimilate them into your life, that's when we change. It doesn't happen. I wish it did. It doesn't. You know, it's like absorb. You know, me and Chase. This, this may be illustrations for a while now. Sorry. So we had our first full week at the gym this week, and I was so encouraged. I really was. I. Um, from, from Monday to Thursday, I, I dropped nine pounds. And I was like, yes. it may be water weight, but yes. And so we go to the farm this weekend and have a little celebration for Shaylee for her, her, her 21st birthday is coming up. I thought, you know what? I had a great week. I lost nine pounds. I can have a Dr. Pepper. And it turned into... Some Dr. Peppers. <laughs> and then some homemade ice cream. And then I get on, I'm like, you know, I'm just curious. Surely, you know, if I gained a little bit, I'm okay with that. I, 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 I weigh more than what I started. I was like, lesson learned. I could not enjoy food anymore. But, you know, we know how digestion works. We, we eat, those, our body needs those nutrients, and, we, and then our body turns it into strength and energy and, and, and hopefully health. God's Word is the same way for us. Listen, you can read it cover to cover. You can hear it preached on cover to cover. But until you take it and you digest it, that's when shift happens. The next thing is it doesn't happen by autumn. The promise of God in our life, it doesn't happen by autumn. It's not autopilot. It's not osmosis. It's not automation. But it is walking it out. It's walking it out. In view of all this, it tells 2 Peter 1.5, the script, this passage we read, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Don't, James tells it this way, don't be the man that looks in the mirror and turns away and what? Forgets what he saw. We need that work. We got to work. We got to walk. Whenever we read something in scripture, it may challenge us, but it's there to shift. When you read God's word, you find two things. You find promises and you find commands. And when we start to live by those commands, that's not a bad word. That's not a negative thing or a bad thing. When we respond to the commands of God we see in Scripture, we'll see life begin to change. We'll see our, we'll see our heart change. The next thing is this. When we surrender to the process... We see the fulfillment of God's destiny. Listen, if you want to find God's purpose, his destiny, his calling for you, then surrender. Surrender.
I, I know that there are so many times we face very, very difficult scenarios and situations. And I don't think it's like a, you know, I, there's been many times I'm like, okay, God, why me? <laughs> why this now? Why, you know, I, it's okay. It's okay to ask that. And, but we have to remember what we, we don't see the forest for the tree, but God, what? God planted the forest. God sees it all. And I was reminded of those words in John 11. John 11 is where, of course, you know, Lazarus dies. I won't go to the whole story. And, and Mary, Martha, Mary and Martha sin for him. But Jesus gets there four days later, you know, and that Lazarus is now dead. And they're like, if you'd only have been here on time. before, Because on time to us would have been before Lazarus died. But Jesus got there in his time and Lazarus was dead. And his response was What? This has happened for me to bring glory to my Father. There's a reason this happened. Listen, don't waste those difficult moments you go through in life. You're in the middle of that place for a reason. And you may not completely see the reason, but God knows the purpose. And that's where our surrender and trust comes in, is that we completely surrender to him and say, you know, God, I don't, I don't see how this is going to work out. I don't, all, I, all I know is, is I got you. All I know is that you're doing something and I'm dependent on you. It's just one step at a time. One step at a time. And so then we say, I'm really trying not to fall. And then we get to Hebrews 6.17. And it says... God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable for it's impossible for God to lie. Here's what I want you to know is that you can trust God. You can trust God. You know, you know one, of the enemy's big one of the enemy's biggest temptations for us is to convince us not to trust God. He wants to convince you that God is not as good as he is. He wants to convince you that God doesn't love you as much as he does. And he will use any means necessary to do that in your life. But I'm going to tell you that you, you can trust God. You can trust God in all of his promises. And think about it. Think about it. Even after Abraham tried to skip a few steps and say, oh, this might be what God's doing. And, you know, had... Had a had a uh, Ishmael with Hagar. Even after all that, God didn't say, "Well, you messed up. Never mind. I'm moving to somebody else for my promise." And this is Old Testament God. Is it okay to say it that way? God still used Abraham because when God makes a promise, He does it. He does it. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. The Bible says, those who know your name, they trust you. For you, O Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. In Psalm 112, 7, they do not, ooh, they do not fear bad news. They confidently trust in the Lord for who cares for them. Psalm 1, uh, Jeremiah 17, 7, Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have their hope and their confidence in Him. 
And then we get to Hebrews 6.18. So God's given us both his promises oath to those things unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. God provides security because of his character. See, him, him being that shelter, him being that refuge, him being that safe place, that is who he is. Patience is our part by holding on to his promise with confidence. And what it, what, how does that flesh out? It's this is that I start holding on to that promise of God, but I see no evidence whatsoever of it coming to pass. But see, that's why I live in the promise and not the evidence. That's why I live life based upon his word of what he's promised and not the facts that I see around me. I may see a diagnosis written on a paper, maybe the fact. I may see the way my prodigal son, daughter, grandchild, whoever in my family is living. That's the fact how they're living. But see, he said the promise is that he will return our children from the land of the enemy. See, that's his promise. See, his promise is whatever the diagnosis is, he's the Lord God that heals and many may be my afflictions, but he delivers us from them all. His, his promise, I, the, the reality is, is that our marriage may be on the rocks, but God says, do not separate what I've put together. Stop looking for the evidence and live by the promise. And then we get to verse, and then it says flee. And I, I don't, that just really left out at me. Flee, flee. To, you know, so, listen, what the enemy think is a retreat it's just us going to dad. <laughs> you know, I'm going to go get my dad. This hope is strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls that leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Our anchor is in the presence of God. Is this helping anybody? Is this okay? It's me like being right here, like, is it awkward for us? Are y'all okay? I like it. Our anchor is the presence of God. The Bible says, Psalm 27, 5, for he will conceal me there when trouble comes. He will hide me in a sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. That's God's promise. You know what his promise is? Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. The, the promise is, you are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Our anchor is the presence of God. Our anchor is the promises of God. I know you've heard that over in different ways, but it's intentional and on purpose. The anchor for you is the promises of God. Our anchor is Jesus. I mean, think about how this is worded in Hebrews 6.19. Oh, let's pick back up at the end of verse 18. Therefore, we who have fled to him for our refuge can have great confidence. We hold 
to the hope that lies before us. So what is the hope that lies before us? This hope, so this hope that lies before us, it's strong. It's trustworthy. It's an anchor for our soul. It, that anchor, that anchor that we have even leads us into the place that we need to be into his presence. Are you following along here? It, this hope is strong. It's trustworthy. It's an anchor for our souls. It leads us to the curtain of God's inner sanctuary. Verse 20, because G, what's the hope that is before us? Jesus is the hope that is before us. And what he's saying is this. What he's saying is this. And so here's our anchor of hope. And our anchor, I'm going to do it anyway. Sermon is. So you know, you know where that anchor is? That anchor is anchored in the presence of God in the holiest of holies. And you got to grab on to that anchor line. Because that place is somewhere the enemy cannot tread. That place is where the enemy cannot touch you or harm you. And you may, you're holding on and the winds, man, they're beating you. And the, and the, and the rains are coming down. And, and the typhoons and the tornadoes are swirling. But you are anchored by a hope. You are anchored by a hope that makes you unmovable and unshakable and lets you know that you can and will get through this. He's gone before us and he's got that anchor. It's, it's not on some slick bottom lake. I mean, it's locked on to a rock, the chief cornerstone. And when that anchor locks onto that cornerstone, it's immovable. It's immovable. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. joining us for our podcast. Again, if you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at odessafirst.com or on any social media platform. I hope that you are encouraged through today's message and that you'll join us again.